Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. This is an awesome time to get together on this uh, May 20th, Sunday morning. Glad you're uh, with us this morning, either watching live or those of you in here. Thank God for His faithfulness this week in our lives. And um, we want to continue to glorify Him as we uh, get in His Word today. We were out for a couple of weeks, if uh, you remember. Uh, we hadn't been streaming for a little bit. That's because we were ministering at a uh, at a, a church nearby that needed uh, some help, and and it was a, ple a pleasure to do that and to to be a blessing there. And uh, we know that we were blessed uh, being with the body of Christ there at Grace Chapel. They were a blessing to us as far as their love and concern for us, and we were so thankful uh, that the Lord opened that door for us to be there and share with them the past couple Sundays and. And we get to come back together now here uh, as we worship our King of Kings through the Word of God. I, I'm looking forward. We're going to continue in Galatians um, chapter 1. It's been a little while, but hopefully uh, you caught up and watched some of the videos and uh, or listened to the podcast if you are just tuning in. Um, if you want to come back, you can listen to those that we have been in Galatians chapter 1. We have uh, reached uh, verse 13 today. Our main, our main text today is going to be Galatians chapter 1, verses 13 through 24. Those are going to be our main text. And I just want to, you know, take a moment right now to pray as we get ready to start, uh, start this morning. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your faithfulness. We thank you that, Lord, you came to rescue us from the dominion of darkness. And you've brought us into the kingdom of the dear son you love. We are now in the kingdom of light because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray today that someone watching, listening, listening would respond to the call of Jesus today, that their hearts would be opened to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray today would be that but moment in their life, that moment that you come and reveal that you draw them to your son. Lord, I thank you that that is your work. And I pray that you'll have your way. Lord, I ask you to speak through me. Lord, I rem I'm constantly reminded, Lord, it is you it is your spirit that makes me competent to be able to preach this gospel, to declare your word in truth, Lord. Help me, Lord, to be able to give God's people and feed them and care for them, Lord God. Help me to be a shepherd after your own heart, Lord. I want to walk with you, Lord. I want to do things that honor and please you, Lord. And I pray that your word would edify, it would cut to the heart, it would bring about transformation, it would bring about conviction, and it would bring about encouragement, edification to those who listen today, Lord. We ask these things and we welcome you, Holy Spirit, into this moment to move and to minister to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, so uh, as I was saying, today we're going to continue there in Galatians chapter 1, where the Apostle Paul recounts the former life, his former life before being called by the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is going to now, in verses 13, uh, again, recount how he came to Christ and what he was doing prior. He's given us an account of what he was doing prior to the Lord Jesus Christ being in his life. And I think this is important. Uh, I find that we can we can learn some important can work in our individual lives and bring us to himself and bring us and use situations, decisions that we make to bring us to his son. This is awesome. This proverb that uh, Solomon wrote, one of the, the wisest men that ever lived. Uh, it says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Again, that is Proverbs 19, 
verse 21. I want to read that to you one more time. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Isn't that awesome that you and I have a lot of plans? We have plans for our lives. We have uh, dreams for ourselves, or we may have a, a path that we have chosen to take. But we know that it is the Lord's will that will prevail in the life and his purpose will prevail in our lives if we humble ourselves and call out to him. And my prayer for you this morning, as I was preparing for, uh, this morning, my prayer was that uh, you would hear. Right in this moment that you would hear what the Lord is saying that as you're listening and you would recognize that it's God's will that's going to prevail in your life. I don't know where you are. God knows where you are. I don't know where you are here in this room. I don't know what you've been thinking about, where your thoughts have been, but God knows and it's God's will that will prevail. And uh, I'm believing that God is to, to minister to you today. So let's just start this morning reading our text here. Uh, again, Galatians chapter 1, and we're in verse 13 through uh, 24. And we begin reading here. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me free, or who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went to Jerusalem to get acquainted with, the, with Cephas and, and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I am writing you is no lie. Then I went to Syria and Celsia. I was personally unknown to the churches of, Judea, of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praise God because of me. Uh, so here we see the Apostle Paul giving us uh, as, as a recount of his former life. Uh, one of the things I want us to really uh, zoom in here uh, is how he intensely persecuted the church and tried to destroy it. This was his former way of life. Can you think about, uh, can you think about how amazing God's grace is to, to take a man like this, who was formerly known as Saul, to take a man who was intensely looking to persecute the church and to destroy it. Go with me to Acts chapter 7. I want you to see where this all began. And it started at the stoning of Stephen. You guys remember Stephen? He was the first martyr. Um, Stephen was declaring the word of God and um, the religious leaders uh, were not happy about it and um, gathered many people around to listen and you know, basically was declaring that he was saying blasphemous words, that he was speaking false messages, and they had Stephen stoned. And I want you to see here in verse 57, so I want us to read a little bit here. It says, at, at this they covered their ears, and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed to him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. This is speaking of Stephen. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man, 
named Saul. Here he goes. This is where it all begins for him. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul approved of their killing him. Killing him. On that day, verse 1 of chapter 8, on that day, great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men uh, buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. Destroy the church, going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. This is Acts 1 through 3. So you see here that he, he, he was approving of their killing. He was a young man. You know, he was for, he, you know, young people are known for their zeal, for their uh, zealousness, and they're known for their excitement and their passion for life, right? As we get older, we're not as, you know, we don't take as many risks. We're more like, hey, we're more a little more reserved. We have more wisdom. And we should still maintain our zeal for God, our passion for him. But usually it is expressed in wisdom and love and those kind of things. So we don't just do things um, in a way that is uh, out of out of place, right? We have a, uh, as you get older, more mature, you understand a little bit more of life. You may not take as, those kinds of risks, but nonetheless, he was a passionate young man and he approved of the killing of Stephen. Uh, after this, he began to, uh, Saul, uh, after the killing of Stephen, Saul began to work to destroy the church. That was one, obviously you can't destroy the church. No one can destroy the church, but that was his attempt. His his mission now, he, he saw it as a, as a, a young Jew, Jew, uh, Jew zealot. He saw that it was time now to get rid of this scourge in, the, in, in their church, this um, sect that came out the way it's time to put an end to this false uh, Messiah. And so he was, I mean, moving hard and trying to destroy them. He went, uh, it says here, he went from house to house. Think about that. He went from house to house, dragging men and women and put them in prison. He was about putting people that believed in Jesus Christ in prison, persecuting them. And if it meant their death, it meant their death. He didn't care. He was so zealous about what he was doing. Matter of fact, not only that, let's go back to Galatians chapter one. We'll go back there. Galatians chapter one, continue here. And in verse 14, what happens? He's also, not only was he intensely persecuting the church and tried to destroy, but he was advancing in Judaism. When we think about advancing in Judaism, I think about someone young who is, uh, is excelling in, 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 their, in, in their faith or uh, in this particular religion. He was excelling. He was taking it all in. He was becoming uh, 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 just a, he would eat this, the, the, the traditions of his fathers. He would eat it all up and he would put it into practice. And he, I mean, it was like someone who, who just gave their entire life to it. And so as he was advancing it, we were, he reveals here uh, some of the things that he was, how he was advancing. I love here in the book of Philippians, uh, I'll give you this verse, Philippians three verses four through six. I'm just going to read it to you again. That's Philippians three, verse four through six. I want to read this to you because here he showed some of some of this in his letter to the Philippians. Watch what he shows to them. Remember, this was a point. I want to give you an, an insight here. I'm reading this in context. Paul is saying not to put any confidence in your flesh, 
your pedigree, where you come from. He didn't want you to be looking to that. He didn't want you to put your trust in those kinds of things. Look what he writes in Philippians 3, verses 4 through 6. Watch what he writes. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness and the law, blameless. I mean, in some translations, it says he was faultless. I mean, this man, again, he ate and slept this religion. It says here, uh, again, in verse 14, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among me, among my people. Meaning, like, you know, have you ever gone to school and, you, you know, kids are going to school and they're, they're in high school. And man, there's some kids that are taking their, their education so seriously, like they are committed that they already have college um, credits and all that while in high school because they're advancing even among their peers. They're, they're growing and they're, and they're, and they're learning. And, and this is exactly what was happening to the Apostle Paul. He was learning in Judaism and he was eating it all up. And it says here, among his own peers, he was advancing. And it says he was extremely zealous for the traditions of his fathers. He was, I mean, not only was he advancing and learning of Judaism, but he was advancing in the traditions of the elders, of the, fa of the fathers, not like his father, but the fathers, the elders, the, the ones who, who not only took the law of Moses, but then they began to give their orator, uh, the orator, uh, oratorial law. Uh, these were things they said, not necessarily that it was written, and people had to obey those traditions as they were, were to adhere to the Bible and to the Torah, to the Word of God. I mean, this was crazy that, that they would say that this tradition uh, is just as holy as what is written. And uh, Jesus has some things to say about that. He has some things to say about that point. So he was extreme. The word tradition here is, this is what it means just to give you some information here to understand a little bit. Tradition is of the body of precepts, especially ritual, which in the opinion of, of the latter Jews were orally delivered by Moses and orally transmitted in unbroken succession to subsequent generations, which precepts, both illustrating and expanding the written law, as they did were to be obeyed with equal reverence. Can you see that? They were basically saying that you had to with equal reverence, obey a oral uh, tradition from that was passed down from the fathers. Now, this is this is an issue that God takes 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 really serious. Why you don't add and you don't take from the Word of God? Do you know right now, as Christians, we have some traditions that happen within Christendom that some people worship that greater than even the Word of God? You say no, Pastor. We're you know we've passed that man. We we sing songs of worship, man. People. We, uh, our worship songs are no longer hymns. We, we've, we've, uh, you know, we've evolved into this praise and worship atmosphere, and yet that has also become a tradition. We have, uh, we have made that a tradition. And uh, as a matter of fact, in some ways, some people elevate some songs over the Word of God. You know, when you try to talk to someone about a song um, that mentions, mentions God's love as reckless, do you know what people do? They cringe and go, what are you talking about? It's just worship. It's just a word. 
Listen, let me ask you a question. If I was to take the Word of God itself, the Word, and change it, would you, would you be okay with that? Or would you have a problem because the Word of God? Why don't we take it seriously when, people, when these singers sing to us that they are biblically sound? Isn't that important? How many of you know that God's love is never reckless? God's love is amazing. God's love is steadfast. God's love is unfailing, but it is not reckless. And this is so important that so many people uh, are going to be uh, led astray because of the traditions that were set now, and they elevate these things above the Word of God. And Jesus has something very strong to say that. And then some are like, well, well you can't play a, 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 a guitar. You can't play, uh, you know, just raise your hands. Or they had traditions like that. Or, or you couldn't uh, play drums in the church. That's demonic. And and things like that. There were traditions that were passed down. And now there are other traditions that have been formulated by a new generation. And yet they're being told that you're to equally worship that like the written word. No, sir. No, ma'am. We're not to do that. We're to worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We are to revere the word of God, the holy writ, not what men say, but what God says. We're not to take God's word lightly. And we're not to allow those who, who perform and who sing to just sing whatever they want. Especially if they're going to put Jesus on it. We should be, hey, wait a minute now. Just as you're going to hold the pastor accountable for what he says from the pulpit, we need to hold musicians accountable from what they sing from their mouths. That it ought to be in line with the Word of God. But what happens is because of the traditions of our emotions now being taken, we become emotionalist. Nothing wrong with your emotions and worshiping the Lord, but your emotions can't control you. God's word must control our lives. We must be set and anchored in his word. And we're also to hold those who perform in song accountable to his word. I know that's not popular. I know that that's offensive to some people, but it's okay. Jesus offended the Pharisees. And you might say, well, I'm not a Pharisee. Well, if you, if you hold to the traditions that are being in place today, Above the word of God, you, my friend, my sister, my brother, you are becoming a Pharisee and you're acting in the same manner. And you know what? They were so angry when the truth came that they picked up stones and they stoned Stephen, right? That's what happens when you give yourself over to tradition and you nullify the word of God. Let me, let me take you to one example of, of these traditions that the Apostle Paul would have had zeal for. Uh, that he would have been zealous for because this was a uh, just something uh, there was a lot. And I, I honestly, I, I don't know all the traditions that they passed down. And I don't really care to know all that because none of it really matters. As Apostle Paul writes, if you kept reading that Philippians passage I read, that he considered all of it cow manure, dung, in the comparison to knowing Christ Jesus as Lord. Amen. So none of that matter. Let's go to Mark chapter seven. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter seven. And I want you to see the Lord Jesus Christ as he deals with this tradition that they have been elevated above the word of God to people to revere as if they were sinning or doing something wrong because they didn't do what they said in this tradition. I want you to go with me to Mark again, chapter seven. And we're going to be looking here. Now we're going to read a little bit in verse 1, and we're going to move, move on through here. We're going to see this. Watch this, the, one of these things here. It says, The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food 
with hands that were, were defiled, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the traditions of elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, as, um, as washing of cups, pitchers, and kittles. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the traditions of the elders, instead of eating from their food with defiled hands? Oh, man. He replied, Isaiah was right about you. It was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. In other words, he's saying here, you know what? Your worship of God is not because your heart is there. It's merely rules taught by people. You have, your heart is so far from God. You're not listening for him. You're not looking for him. You're either here because someone, you know, you feel like you have to be here. You're here because of whatever reason or you're listening for whatever reason. But your heart, your mindset, your, your will is far from God. It is not linked and in step with the Holy Spirit. Your will is about your life. And he's saying, your, only wor your worship of me is about traditions and rules of men. And Isaiah was right when he prophesied against that. He was saying, you're a hypocrite. That's not the way we're to live. We're to live a life that is devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 8, you have let go of the, command of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. Verse 9, and he continued, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and anyone who curses his father or mother is to be put to death. But you say if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is Corbin, that is, devoted to God, then you are no longer, uh, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus, you nullify the word of God by your traditions that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. Jesus is not happy about this when he come and they, they want to bring their traditions and say, hey, they're, they're sinning somehow because they didn't wash their hands in a ceremonial washing like the, they just were hungry and they started to eat. Oh, they, they didn't wash their hands. They're sinners. They're, 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 they're breaking the law of God. No, they're not. And Jesus was, was making that clear. He was saying, you guys, these are, these are, you're, you're nullifying the word of God, the actual word of God for the sake of your traditions. You've, you've elevated your traditions above the word of God. And see, God, God, God doesn't take that lightly. He wasn't happy with that. And that's why he said what he said. You hand these things down. And, and one of the things that he talked about was Corbin, right? The word Corbin here, uh, and it means our Lord condemned. Uh, I, I was looking in the Eastern Bible Dictionary, and this is what he writes in here. Our Lord condemns the Pharisees for their false doctrine inasmuch as they as by their traditions they had destroyed the commandment which requires children to honor their father and mother, teaching them to find excuse from helping their parents by, de by device of pronouncing Corbin over their goods, thus reserving them to their own uh, 
selfish use. In other words, uh, their parents uh, needed help financially or support or needed some kind of place. They would say, well, this is devoted. This is Corbin. So what I have is Corbin is a, a gift devoted to God. And therefore, it, they use that in order to, to keep their, their selfish property and, and gain rather than being there to love and honor their parents to help them. Uh, you know, so many children have abandoned their parents today who are elderly and, and they don't care for them. They don't. I mean, they're not saying Corbin, they're just doing their own life and they don't even care. You know, there are some parents that can no longer do their finances. They can no longer keep up with how they spend their money. And you know what children are doing? Living their life and letting their parents, you know, perish in, in that, in their finances. Rather than saying, mom, dad, I want to come and help you. You know, I need you to, to turn this over so we can keep your, and you know what? And then there are those who are doing that. They're honoring their parents. They are out there. And they are helping their parents. And what a blessing when I see that. I work in a financial industry. And when I see that uh, the children taking responsibility help their elderly parents when they're, and they're not misusing it, they're doing it in a way that's helpful to make sure their parents are, are okay with their finances. And I, 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 that is a blessing and it's an awesome thing. And I pray that people will do that even now. I pray that my children will take care of me and my wife when we're older, if we should live long, that they would be about making sure that we're okay. Why? Because they, that is honoring the Lord. That is obeying the word of God. We're children are to honor their father and mother. Why? Why is that important? Because you know what? As a father and a mother, we cared for you when you couldn't help yourself. We took care of you. We fed you. We clothed you. We put a roof over your head. And you know, uh, that's, that's our responsibility. We're to care. It's not the state's responsibility to care for our parents. It is our responsibility as family. And that is why we also see a lot of problems in our country because we have turned our responsibility over to the state. The state is to take care of your loved ones. No, no, no. You and I are to take care of our loved ones. We're to love them. We're to care for them. You know, I, I know it's, I know that's not popular either because, you know, uh, people want them checks, right? But let, let me remind you, whoever pays the bills controls your life. And uh, I think I don't want a godless government controlling my life. I want, I want my children who I, I brought up in the Lord, who love Jesus, to, to help me when, when I'm at that fi those final uh, days of my life. I don't want a government taking care of me and putting all kinds of things in my body or doing all kinds of things to me. I want my children to be there to care for me because they're going to do it God's way. I believe that. Uh, let's move on. I chased that rabbit and I, hopefully I killed it. Uh, let's go on. So let's go to this next point. You know, here the Apostle Paul, go back to Galatians. Galatians chapter 1. Let's go back there. Verse 15. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb, and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I may preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I'm going to tell you right now, God flipped the script on Paul. God changed the course of his life. Isn't this awesome? Paul had a vision and a purpose for his own life. His vision and purpose was to continue to excel in Judaism and to become the Pharisee of Pharisees and and to, to be one of those elders and leaders, to be able to, to uh, hold uh, this yoke over the people, 
And it was, his vision was to destroy the church, destroy the way. Why? Because it was a, in his mind, was a false religion. It was a false uh, message. It was a false Messiah. You see, he, all that was in his mind. And he was on his way to, to, to destroy the, the church. And God did a work in his life. You know, some of you have a vision and purpose for your life right now. And I believe God is able at any moment to step in and change the course of your life forever. I believe God could come in at any moment and use every decision you've made and turn it on his head and bring you to, to, your, to your knees and calling out the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe God can do that. He did it in the Apostle Paul's life. This is why we're going through this. I mean, sometimes you're like, oh, that's okay. That's really cool. Why do we need to understand this? Why? Because you know what? What are you doing? What, you know, we all had something. I had something I was doing before I met Jesus. There was something I was about. There was a way of life I lived and, and I was living and I thought that was the way. And, and God, who is rich in mercy, had a but moment in my life. He said, but, just as he says here, but I'm not going to let you fall there, son. I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to bring the gospel to you. I'm going to bring people in your family to minister to you, your loved ones. And they're going to bring the message of Jesus Christ. I'm going to use every event in your life to bring you to your knees, a call on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that today that for my children, I believe that for you who are watching and listening or are far off, that God is going to use every moment to flip the script and bring you back to, to Christ and bring you to Christ. I believe that. Why? There's some of you right now that are... are uh, may be addicted to sexual moral behavior. Some of you are uh, may be religious. Some of you may be chasing after your own dreams. Some of you may be addicted to alcohol and drugs. Some of you are involved in the occult. But God is rich in mercy. But God will have a say. And I believe that. I believe as your parents are praying for you. I believe as loved ones and friends who, who love Jesus, who know you, have been praying for you, I believe that God is going to bring you home. I believe that. I believe that God is able. I believe that his arm is not too short, that God can rescue you from where you are and turn your life around just as he did. And he turned the life around of the Apostle Paul. When we read this, we can't just read by it. We got to look and see, wow, what kind of life did he live? We just read it. He, he was about killing. He was about murdering. He was about putting people in jail for just their faith. And God could take a man like that and turn his life around for his glory. Man, I know he can do it in your life. I know he can and he wants to. The issue is God is not going to. This is one thing God isn't going to do. He's not going to make you do anything. Will you humble yourself? Would you call on his name? See, God intervened. And he, and he goes on and he starts talking about here. He says, I, I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. Then after three years, went up to Jerusalem. Again, he's talking about, listen, I got, when I came to know Christ, when he revealed, when, when he revealed himself to me, he revealed, remember, he gave him the gospel. Jesus gave the apostle Paul the gospel. And guess what was awesome? You know that he's preaching the truth because later on, you know, when he goes back, you'll keep reading. He goes back. They give him the right hand of fellowship. Why? As I read to you back in, in, in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, I want you to see this. Look at 1 Corinthians 
15. Remember, we, we talked to, uh, I talked to you about what, what is the gospel. And here's what he ended with here. Verse 11. Again, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 11. Watch this. Look what he writes. Whether then it is I or they, who are the they? The apostles, those who walked with Jesus for three and a half years, whether I, the apostle Paul, or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. He was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ that Jesus revealed to him. And he remember last uh, uh, the last time we were together, I reminded you that he preached a gospel that was given to him. By who? The Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. Again, nothing that is being proclaimed about Jesus Christ is of human origin. Hallelujah. I mean, Jesus revealed the word and the gospel to the Apostle Paul. See, God had a different plan and vision for Paul. And, and I, I believe that God, you know, that moment that he was writing out, he had, he had been given papers, the authority now by the Sanhedrin to go to Damascus and arrest Christians and to put people in jail and to beat them and do whatever he could and to beat them into submission to turn away from the Lord Jesus Christ. And that moment, we remember, if, you, if you've been a Christian long enough and if you haven't, you can go read Acts chapter 9, you're going to see what happened to him. He's riding his horse and with, a, with a team of men to go do this. And all of a sudden, he gets knocked off his horse and he sees the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the moment of truth for him. This was the moment that God intervenes, that Jesus Christ intervenes and knocks him off the path he was headed on. He was on a path of destruction. And you are on a path of destruction you are on a path to, to hell and God is trying to intervene. He's been, he's talking to you through me. He's talking to you through friends, through people you meet on the road. God is trying to intervene. The point is, will you listen? Will you do what Paul did and say, who are you, Lord? <laughs> and then obey what God says. Or are you going to continue in your stubborn heart? Man, I pray that you won't. God changed his direction to now preach the faith. Look at what it says here. They verse 23 of Galatians 1, they only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. Can God wants to do that in your life? Oh man, that guy or that girl that was uh, that was addicted to sexual morality, that person that was living uh, was a liar, a thief and a murderer, God changed their life. God changed their life. And now they're preaching the faith they once denied in the way they lived. <laughs> they're preaching the one, they, the, the God, uh, uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're preaching the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and now they're living a life that is pleasing to the Lord. And God can do this. He did it. He, it says God changed his direction to now uh, Paul preaching, and he, did, he didn't consult men to do this, but Jesus Christ himself gave him this charge. And today, has, I, I really believe, in closing here, today, have you heard the Holy Ghost? Have you heard the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart? As I have been preaching this word, have you listened to the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life, convicting and revealing the Lord Jesus Christ? Man, I pray today that you would surrender. 
Maybe you are a Christian and I pray you'll surrender because you've been living in some traditions. You've been, you've been more religious than, than, than actually being your heart being with the Lord, your, your life being in step with the Holy Spirit. You're more living for yourself and, and, your, and your fleshly desires. I want to remind you, God will not be mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will reap. If you, if you sow to the flesh, you'll reap destruction. If you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life. And man, our Heavenly Father is good. And He wants to refresh you. He wants to bring, uh, 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 bring you. He wants to revive your heart. But it takes an act of faith. It takes for you to take a step. It takes you to draw near to Him, and He will draw near to you. God isn't going to force you to worship Him. God isn't going to force you to serve Him. He wants you to come from a willing heart because you have seen, and, and, and you have seen what, the, what Peter said uh, when he said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He wants you to see the Lord Jesus in His greatness and who He is that you might receive that amazing grace that He has offered you. Man, I pray that it will happen in your life today. Let's pray as we get ready to end this morning. Father, we thank you so much for your word this morning. Thank you for speaking to our hearts, for bringing about your word. And I pray your word, as it says, is a battering ram, that it broke the, the hardened heart. It broke it up, Lord. And that that person today would receive the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, man, if you're out there and you're hearing this and you're, you're sitting in your car, you're at your lunch break, wherever you are, you, and you're here in this room, you're listening. The Bible says that if we confess the Lord Jesus and believe in our hearts that God raised Him from the dead, we'll be saved. And God will give you His Holy Spirit. Would you call on His name? Would you repent of your sins? Would you confess the Lord Jesus? I confess you as my Lord. I believe that God raised you from the dead. And I ask you, Lord, to fill me with your Holy Spirit. And God will do it. You're a brother or sister out there, and you this message is cut to the heart. is bringing you to a place where you recognize, I've been living for the appetites of my flesh. I have not been living. I've not denied myself those things. I've been in a bad place. I know, Lord, your word is true. And I, and I, I come this morning surrendering my heart to you. Revive my heart, oh God. He wants to do that. Our Father is good. And He wants to give you good gifts. He wants to give you the Holy Spirit. Refreshing you. Renewing you. And bringing you into a deeper relationship with Him. That you would walk in obedience to His Word. That you would begin to go and make disciples. Proclaim His Word to others. In your life. As you're going. Lord, we thank you for your precious word this morning. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We'll see you next time.